welcome to the Wellness Navigation Podcast. I'm Mitch here with my co-host Mike, and if you're listening to this podcast, it's because you or someone you know has had a challenge related to wellness and fitness, haven't made the progress that you want to make. On the show, Mike and I and our guests will review, inform, and share stories and experiences related to these challenges, why we think they occur, and how you can improve on these challenges. Combined, Mike and I have over decades of experience trained individuals and in group settings, and we've worked with people in the fields of CrossFit, Strongman, Jiu-Jitsu, Yoga, Powerlifting, Ultra Marathon, and beyond. We hope you enjoy this podcast. All right, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of the Wellness Navigation Podcast, just as the intro, I think, just said. Um, We have our first guest today, and Mike will be joining in with us shortly. He is um, late, like he always is. I'm just kidding, Mike. I love you, man. And you'll be on the podcast whenever you get here. Um, but we have a local friend of ours, Charlie Young, here with us, owner of Barefoot Birth and midwife extraordinaire. Thanks so much for coming and uh, talking to us today. Thanks for having me. I am super excited. Yeah. I know our listeners, having two males being the, the host, probably weren't expecting to have a midwife on, but I am so pumped to talk about this. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, I know when, uh, when my family was down here for Christmas, you and a couple of other of our friends came over and, and I dove into asking some questions. Um, but where I want to start today before getting back into those is how did you get to this journey of being a midwife? Yeah. So I have a 14 year old daughter okay. that I had, um, I had a, a midwife in a hospital setting, mm-hmm. um, to deliver. And, um, essentially what I realized is, um, you know, I didn't realize people still had home births that, um, there was an option to like have your baby outside of a hospital. I think like yeah. in our culture, we grow up and you're just like, Oh, you get pregnant and you go to an OBGYN and, um, and that's that versus in other countries, like in Europe, you know, you get pregnant and you go to a midwife. Like it's, oh. there's like a disconnect here yeah. in the U S. So I just did the thing that everybody always does. And, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, even like with the most preparation, and everything to have like an unmedicated vaginal birth. Um, I ended up getting railroaded into like everything I didn't want Ah. for my birth. Yeah. Yeah. So, so did it feel kind of forced to to go that way into like a medical hospital route? Like super allopathic medicalized, like just removing any type of like personal anything from the experience, which it's like this transformational time where you're like having a kid and becoming a mom and, um, yeah, it's just hyper medicalized, like every other part of our healthcare system. Yeah. Um, and so I was young and I got like railroaded through that process. And, um, it wasn't until after the fact that I realized like, oh, we have a 40% cesarean rate back then in the U S yeah. and like everyone is having this experience, this like terrible experience, you Does know, cesarean so, mean like C-section. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody was having this like very medicalized experience and everyone just accepts it as like fine and normal. And it's what you do to have a baby. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, the more I researched and learned after the fact, it's like, Oh no, it doesn't have to be this way. Everybody's just been duped into thinking that this is like the suffering you go through yeah. to have a kid. You don't hear about people's like positive, positive experiences. experiences. You just hear about this, like, you know, super, uh, medicalized, like impersonal hospital experience that mo- 95% of people in the U S yeah. go through. So I guess <clears throat> talking a little bit about how hospitals lead people, towards that way. I kind of have two things that I guess are questions related to that. So one would be, is it 
are they a little bit over extreme when they say, instead of it being a suggestion to have a hospital birth, is it kind of more of a, if you don't have it this way, you're significantly more likely to be at risk, almost following like a scare tactic type route. Like it's significantly more dangerous. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much. Birth wasn't moved into the hospital until like the 1930s, 1940s in the United States. Okay. So, and it was done that way. Um, by physicians who realized, hey, there's an opportunity to make a lot of money. Oh, my God. It's always money. (laughs) Right. Like, everybody is having babies. And so if we get those people to come to the hospital to have their babies, then... Like, we can make a lot of money. And hospitals still operate from that place. Like, maternity care um, is a huge is a huge financial incentive. I mean, for, yeah, it's so expensive to have a damn yeah, baby nobody's in hospitals. Ever not, no, ever, nobody's ever not having babies. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the pandemic has shown us that, right? Like, um, what ticks up, like, the birth rate. Even yeah. though it's, like, on a decline nationally, like, we've seen a huge uptick in birth. So, yeah, so it, it's a money-making opportunity. Ugh. And so you have these two trains of thought like here in the United States where women's primarily see obstetricians for like normal prenatal care like obstetrics is a surgical specialty okay like why would you go to a surgeon if you want to have the experience of having a normal natural vaginal birth surgeons don't want to do that and is that where someone would go if they needed a c-section exactly yeah if you need a c-section and and you want to have a surgeon like you need a great surgeon yeah well Um, so how I guess it would be, what would be the need for a C-section? Because I feel like I hear people now and a C-section is kind of like almost a normal route to go where they almost are like, hey, it's like you get to decide. You get to do a C-section yeah. or do regular. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, well, I don't know if this is a lot of people, but I know people have chosen C-section. So yeah. if if it's not meant to be a you can do this or that, what would make someone have to get a C-section? And is it kind of like over, almost, I'll use the word prescribed, like over-prescribed to oh, get absolutely. C-sections? Yeah. So so the World Health Organization is who we kind of look to um, to say, like, here's the standards of what makes for, like, really healthy communities. Okay. And the World Health Organization says that in a developed country that's industrialized with good resources, we should probably have a cesarean rate of 15% or less. Okay. Here locally, like in Tampa in general, like our, our, our worst hospital uh, that I won't name out loud, <laughs> but you could find it on the internet, gen- most years has a cesarean rate of around 30 to 35%. Oh, my God. So one in three. You have a one in three chance of needing, like, of, quote, needing, needing? a okay. surgical birth, um, which is still double of what the World Health Organization says would improve morbidities and mortalities in birth, right? Like, yeah. if we have 15%, then we know we're using a cesarean for, like, life-saving measures mm-hmm. um, versus just for convenience or, or yeah. whatever. Um and, you know, I think a lot of people, like, do choose to have C-sections, but, like, it's it's be- it's based in misinformation. Okay. And it's based in providers who, like, either are financially incentivized to mm. perform surgery, it's more convenient because it can be scheduled, um, and it's less liability. So, like, from Damn. a malpract- malpractice perspective... It hits on all the points for the provider, so it's easy to, like, sway someone who doesn't know anything about pregnancy or birth or whatever to say, like, here's all of the benefits. Whereas um, the other side... Does it cost more to get a C-section? It definitely costs. It's usually double that of a vaginal birth, at least. Jeez. Um, 
But also the morbidity and mortality rates are so much higher for mom. Like cesareans can be a, a bit safer for babies, but yeah. for moms it's double. But nobody, they're not having those conversations. We're not talking about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I know there's got to be problems post because I, uh, when I work with people on injuries, a lot of times when they're a mom, if they've had a C-section, it is significantly harder to teach them how to control their core or their pelvic floor or to be aware of anything like below yeah. the belly button, abdomen bracing type wise. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's like, well, yeah, you had like all your muscle and connective tissue literally cut open. Yeah. Pulled apart. Oh my yeah, God. That absolutely. blows my mind. Yeah. And when you need, like when a cesarean's needed, of course, it's like, yeah. I'm so grateful. I did birth in the Dominican Republic, you know, like developing country. Yeah. And you're, um, you know, a, a C-section with pain medication is a luxury. So I feel really grateful to have that option mm-hmm. fast and easily readily available for folks but it's super abused um in our practice we have pretty consistently like a primary c-section rate so a, a first like a first time mom or somebody having their first c-section most years it's it's 10 percent or less okay um to give you an idea of of like what it can be mm-hmm. um and then a repeat cesarean rate so like people who maybe had a c-section and were trying to have a vaginal birth um of like five percent, okay. so of what of what's possible. So if we're taking this population of people, and we serve a pretty broad population yeah. in our practice, um, if we can get it to that point with like education and like a more holistic perspective of care, like you know on a broader scale, it's certainly possible. Yeah. So for people that don't know, what is a home birth? I mean, uh, so home birth, community birth. Yeah, so we call, it's, you know, you can have what we call community birth at home or in a birthing center, like a freestanding birthing center. Okay. Um, It's essentially here in Florida, um, you have a midwife, but there are some people who choose to birth unassisted, like they have their babies completely by themselves, just their family. Um, Our practice, we have midwives. You have normal, like, routine prenatal care, just like you would going to any obstetrical provider. Um, The difference is when you go into labor, we drive to you instead of you driving to us (laughs) or to the hospital. Um, And so we bring, like, equipment, um, resuscitation equipment, everything to monitor Mm -hmm. um, the birthing person and baby and... um, and then, yeah, mom labors at home and uh, delivers, and, and then we clean up and make sure everybody's good and come back in 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, damn. Okay. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I had asked before uh, around Christmas time, which now I want to be able to bring back up, yeah. is so I've seen on Instagram that, that pets are involved, like yes. doggos hanging out, having a good time. There yeah. was one photo that I specifically remember. Of a person in, is it, would you call it just like a tub or? Yeah, like a birth tub. So they're in a birth tub um, and they're holding their pit bull's paw Uh, along with like the the husband's hand. And the pit bull is like, you know, making like a, uh, I'm concerned, but also this Uh. is like an amazing experience face. Um, So are like, is that like a normal thing when when a person has pets that you normally want them kind of like to be present in there? Yeah, I mean, that to me, that's the beauty of home birth, right? Okay. Like, and I've worked in birthing centers before and different birthing centers over the years, um, which offer really no difference between home birth aside from the fact that you're not in your house. Like, there's nothing different in a birthing center. Okay. Um, 
we jokingly call it having your baby at grandma's house. At grandma's. Um, but the beauty of home birth to me is that it's whatever your home is, right? Like I've done births in like a pop-up trailer or um, giant mansions oh, or man. tiny apartments. Like I've, I've been attended births in all sorts of settings. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's family is like as unique as we are as humans. So whether that's pets or other children family members um i've been at births where it's like a full party and there's like 20 people there and just hanging out until a baby's born and that's just like culturally the family dynamic okay um so yeah so it's like whatever that looks like yeah whatever your home is is how your birth can be and whatever people are most comfortable with okay so when someone's interested in having a home birth what what are kind of like the main um if they're like hey i want to do a home birth Mm -hmm. One of the benefits of doing a home birth, what would you, what would, yeah. would you tell them? Yeah, so like the benefits obviously are that the the birthing person and the birthing family is, it's we're on your turf, like you're yeah. in control, right? And so for somebody that really cares about autonomy in medical decision making, um, who wants to have an experience versus a dictatorship of care, like mm. who wants to be treated like a human. It's sad that you have to like say that say in, in, ways, yeah. in like, you know, our American medical system. Um, but that's really like the cornerstone of midwifery care is that, you know, we see clients as individuals and everybody has different needs in that space. So we have like this rubric of caring for people to say mm-hmm. like, here's the standard of care and, and here's how we assess to be sure that like people are normal and low risk. Um, but everyone comes to the table with different different needs. Um, and so we do boring, normal, low risk at home. So if somebody's thinking of that, they want to plan a home birth, we like assess that from a medical perspective, um, and then kind of make a, a game plan that, um, you know, would support looking at, at pregnancy and birth as like a normal physiological process yeah. instead of it being something that needs to be like pathologized and, yeah. and made into like, we're, you know, constantly looking for the problems, which is sort of what like standard obstetrical care does. Okay. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is all just blowing my mind. So <laughs> it's a lot to consider, especially I know, like right? if you haven't ever thought about yeah. that before. I, I, I'm happy that when this process happens, I only have to be a, a supporter rather than a doer in this case, you know, like, <laughs> right, oh my God, yeah. so many decisions. Yeah. Um, so are there different types of home births? Because I, or, or like ways to deliver. Because yeah. there's this one person that I follow in the UK. His name's Tony Riddle, um, oh the natural lifestylist. Yes. And, yeah, and so him. his wife talks about doing squat births. Sure. So what what is that? Is that like a normal thing? Is there a difference between like doing it in a tub or like multiple ways? Or Well, so that's kind of the beauty of home birth is that you can do whatever the hell you want. Oh <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I mean, I've had people who have babies in like their backyard hot tubs. What? Uh, yeah. People who, you know, deliver in their kitchen. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So... That's the thing is like we're on your turf at mm-hmm. home. And so my goal as a midwife is if we leave like a person who is birthing alone, mm-hmm. um, like we're mammals. So yeah. what's a like think about what a mother cat is going to do. You know what I mean? She's most likely going to like go hide in a closet and be like, leave me alone and I'll have these babies. And then like, and then you, you can know, come in. Yeah. yeah. And then you can come in and like, you know, ooh and all over them. And we're kind of the same way as mammals. And so like, if we leave people alone, like our job as midwives is to be there as like a safety net. Okay. And if we leave 
birthing mammals alone and we're just kind of being like fly on the wall, making sure everybody's okay, um, we will choose our own way to birth. And uh-huh. most of the time it is in an upright position. It's with a bit of privacy. Um, very rarely is it flat on your back with people yelling at you in bright lights like that. You got to push, yo. <laughs> Squeeze my hand and breathe. One, two, three. Yeah. At least that's yeah, what yeah. I see on TV. Right. right? Yeah. That's... So the way that birth has been like um, medicalized and then dramatized like yeah. in movies and whatever um, is completely opposite of the way that like we want to birth as mammals in our brain. Um, yeah. And so, so unnatural. yeah, so squatting, squatting is often a position that women naturally get into. Yeah. I would say most of the time when we don't bother people and don't direct people unnecessarily, like when they're having an unmedicated birth, a lot of, um, women, myself included, like will get on their hands and knees mm. um, and kind of be in like a kneeling squat. That's okay. how, that's pretty much aside from my first daughter. That's how I've had all of my babies. Like that's yeah. where I find myself naturally. And that's where a lot of, where I see a lot of women or standing up, standing, standing up, up is, you know, which are variations of squatting yeah. anyways. Um, but this kind of like kneeling, leaning forward position, we actually know um, from some studies that have been done that that creates the the widest diameter of the pelvic outlet. Oh, so that okay. gives you like the most space in your pelvis to get a baby out of there. Which is like the complete opposite of laying on your back. Right. And, and laying on your back completely, like not only does it diminish that um, diameter... Um, it contracts everything. And so then that increases risks of like vaginal tearing, which can uh, be super problematic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and vaginas are super forgiving and like meant to tear and, and stuff. So when we leave people to birth the way that like we want to yeah. as animals, mm-hmm. then a lot of that stuff is decreased, you know? So wow. we don't need as much intervention and we don't need as much like follow up, like fixing. So. Yeah. So for. A person that's having a uh, home birth, is there a, I, f- I feel like what I want to dive into that, that can lead us to probably multiple topics of conversation is the idea that you birth how you live. Mm-hmm. So I'm super pumped to talk about this. Yes. Um, yeah. So obviously if someone is healthier, they'll likely have a better birthing process than if they're unhealthy um, or at least more likely. Yeah. I mean, in general, like, you know, if someone is really unwell, there's yeah. a great chance that they're not going to get pregnant in the mm. first place, right? Okay. So when we're looking at, um, and I don't want to get into like eugenics or anything like that because, you know, that's super controversial yeah. and, and there's so many layers to it. But like in general, when you look at look at the United States especially, like we have insane amounts of like infertility and people that, that struggle to get pregnant or stay pregnant. Um, because like, look at our lives, you know, like how many people are moving their body or eating real food or even considering those things. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, or even just considering, like, I see a lot in women, like women who don't even know anything about their cycle. Like gr- girls are never taught about these things for the most part. Right. Like it's the rare exception that girls are taught about, like what a healthy menstrual cycle looks like and that. It's not normal if you have a menstrual cycle that's super abnormal and super painful and, you know, no one's taught how to address that in a way that's like taking a step back and looking at someone's whole life. Yeah. Um, And so when we start from that place, um, 
becoming pregnant, there's so many things that have to happen perfectly to like build a baby, right? To conceive a baby and grow a baby. There's so, there's like just millions of synapses that need to work out well. Um, And so, yeah, like if you're focusing on a holistic perspective of your life, like ideally those things are going to work out more easily um, versus someone, if your body is struggling to, you know, like methylate vitamins you know or if you're not getting certain minerals or you don't move or you are in front of a screen all of the time like all of those things cause like ripples down the line um and so you know if you want to get really existential about it like what does that mean for if if you believe in evolution or whatever you know like adaptation what does that mean long term for us as humans and like what does that mean for um our are bony structures and like there's so many considerations to think about if you're really coming from like that perspective so okay so if someone is um let's go with an unhealthy individual that is not uh like doing what they need to 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 Mm kind of like have a good birth in a way that relates to a healthy living what are more common uh risks that someone can encounter uh like giving giving birth if they're unhealthy so like let's define unhealthy right okay. like to me i would i would say like someone that's stepping into my care right like let's say somebody comes into my office and unhealthy to me would be like hyper stressed okay um eats a diet of not real food like mm-hmm. eating a diet of food products like yeah. their diet recall is like McDonald's Pop-Tarts. is their lunch breakfast yes. and dinner yeah okay. or like I had a Pop-Tart and Mountain Dew for breakfast or <laughs> Jesus <laughs> I mean that's a real thing right I did most of my training I did most of my training in a in a rural area where like that's like oh I've had three cigarettes and a Pop-Tart, Pop-Tart this morning and, and I'm 20 weeks pregnant you know and so oh, God. yes I know I know but that's really how it's it's really how like some people live so yeah um so those kind of things, I don't move. I'm sedentary. Okay. I, um, I work at a job that's like stress, stress to my stress. Yeah. Or I have financial issues or, you know, all of these like socioeconomic stuff that feeds into like our nervous system yep. being totally overwhelmed. Um, not to mention like the normal, like, uh, existential dread or <laughs> <laughs> like, my nervous system is constantly a air- gas pedal guys. Yes. Anxiety is how I live, breathe and die. Yes. Yeah. My air is polluted. My water is polluted. Yeah. That's um, right. Yeah. So uh, that all of those things aside. Um, so then there's issues for like hypertension, gestational diabetes, like those things can make intervention in having a living baby, the need or wanting to have a living baby intervention becomes necessary because you can't sustain a pregnancy if you're dealing with these like crippling health issues. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Michael has stepped in the building. Hello, Mike. How are you? What's up? Papa Squad. How dare you? Living that medical life. God damn it, Michael. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Not your fault. We talked (laughs) about, we talked shit about you at the beginning of the podcast though. We were like, it's all Mike's fault. The VA was on time. Yeah. Yeah. The VA is never on time. Um, So we're talking. how we care for our veterans. That's right. right. America. So we've talked a little bit about you birth the, or how she got into, to midwifery, what giving a home birth looks like. And now we're kind of talking about you, you birth how you live. And kind of like what risks could be if someone is is unhealthy. So I guess kind of continuing that conversation. So a person is unhealthy, how, how you just described, extremely stressed, mm-hmm. um, doesn't move around a lot, has an awful diet of, of mm-hmm. unnatural foods that are that are extremely processed. Um, so what are common risks that people might not know about that are risk to the mom and to the potential newborn baby? 
Yeah. So I'll use gestational diabetes like as an example, because okay. I mean, like we have an epidemic of type two diabetes mm-hmm. in the United States anyways. Yeah. So, um, so like if someone's gestationally diabetic and they need to have insulin to control their diabetes while they're pregnant, Ooh. um, that can cause growth restriction in a baby, which can lead to like unexplained stillbirth. Mm. Um, it can also cause, cause the opposite, which is like macrosomia. So a baby grows way larger than they're supposed to be. And then when they're born, they can't regulate their own body temperature. They can't oh, regulate shit. their own blood mm-hmm. sugar. Um, they're at super high risk for type two diabetes down the road, not just because of their experience in utero, Mm. but also because of likely like the setting that they're being born into. Um, and so with those complications for the pregnant person, you're looking at the need for intervention early in gestation. So like you're probably having an induction before a baby's term. And so that can lead to, um, it's like an early birth, right? An early birth, okay. yeah. So, like, a, a term pregnancy is 40 weeks, but, like, if you have uncontrolled gestational diabetes, they may want to induce you at 36 or 37 weeks, so then you're having a early-term baby Ooh. that may not be able to control those those things that I mentioned. And then for the for the mom, like, an induction increases your risk of cesarean, and you're, if you have a cesarean, your risk of dying is, you know, exponentially higher than having Ugh. a vaginal birth. Yeah, yeah. So what it, the fuck? <laughs> your risk of hemorrhage. None of this makes any sense. You do understand, understand that women are incredible creatures, right? I know, dude. <laughs> like like they, they, they birth Shout out to women. And, yeah. You know, seriously, damn. Like, we don't give women enough credit for the shit that they no. go through. No. We don't have to go through all the hormone shit they go through, yeah. all the body changes they go yeah. through. Yeah, for sure. Like literally, you're, you're, they, their hips become completely different from when they were born. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's also just like um, the risk that people take on, you know, when you're choosing to have a baby. Like, it's, there are risks. I mean, there's risk to everything, and you could be the healthiest person ever, and still, you know, there's light, like, being a human is... I assume there's going to be outliers. Of course. So bad things can happen to anybody is the reality, um, and lightning strike kind of stuff. But, yeah, you add all of these other things into how we live as humans in the United States, and um, that's why as the United States, aside from medicalization of birth, that we have terrible outcomes for women and children. Like, yeah. worse than, like, Uzbekistan. Our, like, maternal I don't even remember that place. That's crazy. <laughs> Dude, like, like, literally, like, third world countries have better births than we do. Yeah, yeah. So maternal morbidity and mortality. because we're birthing, like, robots. Well, we're just birthing unhealthy. Yeah. Like, these people yeah. are used to living a pretty mediocre life. And, like, yeah. when we're, we're living actually extremely unhealthy lives. Yeah. Convenience kills, y'all. Well, you have that, and then you have it coupled with this medicalization mm-hmm. of yeah. birth uh, and uh, this fear of liability and this fear of um, just fear, like fear in general. Birth, birthing is monetized now in the United States. That, yeah. We were just talking about that earlier, man. Yeah. Let's get people <laughs> in, give, take their monies. Um, yeah. So if if someone's like, all right, because we talked about the monetization of birthing, mm-hmm. and so I have a feeling that someone would initially – if they're just learning about at, potential at-home birth, I feel like the the common uh, narrative would be to say having a, a having a birth at home is dangerous because it's a less professional setting where it's like you have a midwife and a doctor. So I want to, I guess, kind of like talk a little bit about that where it's like yeah. debunking some of the myths of like you're sure. safer in a hospital setting because you need an MD that's no, delivered babies before. Right, right. So you're actually – so um, women are more at risk for – for morbidities and like intervention 
in the care of an obstetrician because of kind of what we talked about before and right. that it's a surgical specialty. So that it actually increases the risk for the birthing person. Okay. Um, there is a slight increased risk for babies when delivered outside of a hospital, um, statistically speaking. Okay. Because if we, like let's say for example, we have a baby that needs to be resuscitated, we're prolonging the time to get to uh -huh. a, a yeah. NICU that has certain things that we might need like a CPAP or something yeah. like that. So that is a reality and a consideration when people are planning home birth. But but the data shows us that home birth for women is just as safe, if not safer, especially if that woman is low risk otherwise. Right. Um, and so th the stats for American home birth like back that up pretty clearly. And the stats are even better. Um, part of the reason that like we don't have really clear numbers is because we're not integrated into the healthcare system in the U.S. because it's just like state by state. Everything is so different. Like here in Florida, things are really smooth and we have good relationships. Oh, good. But in countries where there are primary, primary midwifery care, there's independent like birthing centers, people can have home births. It's part of their like healthcare system, socialized healthcare. Midwives are integrated into that system and those outcomes are even better. Mm. Um, so, so home birth, like in conclusion can be just as safe as hospital birth, but there has to be, we have to be sure that we're with normal low risk pregnant people. We have to be sure that they live within 30 minutes of a high level obstetrical hospital. Um, and you know, there's better outcomes if there's a trained attendant, um, that can carry like here in Florida, we can carry medications. We can start mm. IVs. We can, you know, do all of the things, um, essentially to like be a good girl scout. So, um, yeah, so th we have the, the data to back it up. Um, but you have to recognize that like every family has their own ability of assessing risk. Okay. So like you have, there's risks at home and there's risks in the hospital and which are you most comfortable with? Yeah. Um, and for, you know, for me personally, not just as a midwife, but like as a mom, um, I was way more comfortable with the potential risk of being at home versus the risk of being in a hospital where I knew I would have to fight tooth and nail to have a normal, like, intervention-free vaginal birth. Yeah. So. What's uh, training look like to become a midwife? So there's two different kinds of midwives. There's um, certified nurse midwives, which here in Florida, they have to have a protocol with a physician. It's kind of still a little patriarchal and you okay. have to, um, you know, you have to get your, get your, um, get everything signed off on by a doctor. Um, and then I'm a licensed midwife. So licensed midwives are autonomous here in the state of Florida. We're licensed by the Department of Health, like just mm -hmm. like any other um, medical provider. The nice part is our protocol is written into our law, um, and so we're able to practice autonomously. If we have, I my practice, we have a good collaborative relationship, but it's not required for okay. me to practice. Um, so, certified nurse midwives are first nurse practitioners that like have a specialty in in nurse midwifery. <laughs> um, for licensed midwives, we train specifically in midwifery, so we don't do like. Um, any nurse practitioner stuff like well woman care or stuff like that. We only focus on pregnancy and birth and postpartum period. Mm -hmm. um, and so here in Florida, that looks like we do a three-year didactic program. There's, there's some prerequisites that are kind of like um, similar to like a bachelor's in nursing okay. um, that you would get. And then there's a three-year didactic program that you do in conjunction with an apprenticeship um, to do clinical training. And so that's a certain number, like there's, you know, you have to manage 75 births mm. and, um, 
Um, you have to attend a certain number of hours of clinical experiences. Um, and then you sit for an exam and then you become licensed here in Florida to What's, practice legally. How available is this, this your practice to like low income areas? I love that question. <laughs> so my practice, we take Medicaid. So we do take Medicaid. Um, we have what's called an easy access clinic. So like I do prenatal care for people who um, maybe aren't great candidates for a home birth or let's say they just know they want an epidural. Like they don't want to have to have an unmedicated birth. And so we do all of their prenatal care and they get that like cozy one-on-one -on -one care with us and then deliver in the hospital with our colleagues. And then we see them for their postpartum care. Um, so yeah, so it, it's certainly accessible. Um, folks just have to know where to look. Um, and and what to look for. So, which is yeah. interesting because I've I've dealt with most of the because I've birthed fourteen children in the back of yeah. a rescue. Yeah, yeah, you caught. Yeah, caught, caught them. <laughs> well, most the of birthing my, people birthed but, them. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, yes. But I didn't birth them, but I caught them. Just sure. in case anyone was wondering, yeah, I have I not. I, I have not birthed nor caught yeah, anybody. Yeah. Yes. I've caught caught fourteen. Yes. But most majority of them didn't survive. It was like either stillbirth sure. or it was like premature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because one, the mother was either under under some kind of like yeah. recreational drugs right. or stuff right, like right. that. Um, but I did have one. It was really interesting. She was definitely low income heiress. It was like the, coming out of the um, like I want to where's this like suitcase suitcase city area where it's just like if you if you know that or if you're living in Tampa, it's like kind of like where the USF area is in Fletcher, right. yeah. that area over there. Yeah. Um, she had 11, this is her 11th baby. Mm -hmm. and oh, shit. Yeah, so this, like, we pick her up. She's for sure in birth. She knows that she didn't even, like, she didn't, no question. Yeah. She already knew. She's right. had right. 10 yeah, yeah. of these kids yes. ready. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> um, I read the words out of her mouth. It's like, okay, honey, I want you to just catch. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> right. I'm sitting in the back just writing my yes. report. She's like, no, he's ready. I was like. Oh, coming out. Okay. Yeah. No joke, just like. Oops. caught her and it was like yeah. not even like a minute or five minutes after that I, I, I delivered the placenta as yeah. well but yeah. I didn't cut anything I just left yeah, it yeah. and handed her the baby and yes. just wrapped him up perfect yeah so it was good just good work yeah right right <laughs> but it was just like that was one of those experiences because I've actually I have two kids of my own and yeah. I have been I was at both those births and both of them very different one mm -hmm. vaginal one c-section mm -hmm. so it was like um, one was emergency mm -hmm. c-section well, that was like brutal to yeah, watch yeah of course it's crazy but yeah. um the other one was a vaginal birth, was went well, um, but totally different experience. Yeah. And it's definitely, and that, that's why I asked you about the whole low-income area, because yeah. she was definitely coming from a place that was just like... Of course. A lot of women in low-income areas. I think, I feel like, I feel like the, the rate of pregnancy is higher in low-income areas than it is in... Right. In, yeah. Yeah. So I used to have an, uh, I used to have a mobile clinic actually over in that area. Um, we had a retired blood mobile that I had converted into a clinic that, that I used cool. to do out that way. And it was really awesome. I loved doing it until they privatized Medicaid and that makes, you know, things complicated. So I feel like we can't, uh, we would need a whole other episode to talk about, um, you know, the, the outside of that, right? Like, why is this person having 11 babies? Like, are they having 11 babies because they want to have 11 babies? Or are they having 11 babies because they they were not educated appropriately? Like, we were talking earlier yeah. about, like, girls not being educated on, like, their cycles <laughs> or birth control options or not having access to that education or not having access to those options and um, what that starts to mean for, like, the rings of communities. 
And then it creates stuff like, why is this person having 11 babies? Or why is this person addicted to drugs? Or like, all, yeah. you know, all of those things. Um, so it's like, we can't address those. We can't address like the birth part of it without like, like kind of zooming out a little bit and looking at like what it means for communities. Um, and that's where, you know, we get bad outcomes from and but perpetuation. I, I also think it's a, a little bit of government issues. Considering, considering oh, like, Yes. Yeah. So, like, I mean, how we, have we poorly yeah. just designed the system to allow these people to, because they know they get more money with, with another birth or another baby. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's super complicated, and right? So. Well, and then we have to also then have a conversation about like socialized medicine Correct. or for profit healthcare and like all of these other things that, like, you know, we kind of look at our own world with such a small view. And when you like zoom out and see these other things, um, it's so complex. Like, Very much it's so, like, so complex. So I think she was like, near, she's in her early 30s. So think about how many, mm-hmm. she's had 11 kids, how many, mm-hmm. she's 11 years of her life she's been pregnant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Holy shit. Yeah, it's super complicated. That's wild. So like, to think about that, I, I, I love that you answered that question about low-income areas. I think yeah. a midwifery should be more involved in low-income Oh, absolutely. Areas. Yeah, and, and midwifery um, midwifery is like standard. And mm-hmm. in developed countries where we see really uh, lovely healthcare systems for the most part, um, whether they're socialized or not, without getting into that political side of things, um, where we see this integration and see midwives as the primary care providers – not only are the outcomes better, but everybody's happier with mm. their experiences. They're healthier on the other end of it. Um, and it's available to everybody. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter who yeah. you are, what your background in. It's the standard and it's available to everybody. That's so, really cool. Yeah. yeah. How, long, how long have you been practicing? I've been licensed in the state since uh, 2013, but I've been attending births since 2008. Oh, that's a long time. Yeah. yeah. Good so, for you. When did you yeah, start so. barefoot birth? I started Barefoot Birth in 2008, um, and I started. we started as a birth services company. Like I was doing doula support, so like non-medical labor support, um, and deciding whether or not I was going to go to midwifery school. Yeah. Um, so what, what, uh, for people who don't know, myself included, what's the difference between a midwife and a doula? So a midwife is a clinical care provider. Like okay. we provide all of the medical care um, that someone might need for pregnancy. Mm-hmm. A doula is a non-medical labor support person. So okay. kind of like... Kind of like what probably like your best friend would have been like back in the day, you know, when we all lived in actual little communities. <laughs> like, a, like a breath guide. Yeah, yeah like a <laughs> squeeze my hand, take deep breath. Yeah, they're like the person who's like keeping a partner chill, who's getting food for mm-hmm. people, who's rubbing it back, who's yeah. like maintaining the space of birth. Um, and so they're essential. I feel like regardless of where someone's birthing, like. Yeah. People need doulas, and like you know, when we lived in communities and had better communities of support, I think these people existed just as part of our community. They were just the people who had like given birth before and knew like it's cool. This is what to expect. Yeah. Like here's what you need, kind of thing. Um, and that just doesn't exist anymore. So now it's of course like a hired, yeah. <laughs> it's hired help in that way. Just got to add in t-shirt idea. My dog is my doula. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How's how's that like being a dual and a mid, 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 mid midwife have been working together? It's like a dual threat kind of thing. So like, oh yeah, so that's yeah, really good for dynamic like, dual. I love when our client, especially our home birth clients, when they have a doula because a doula's job is to like take care of the whole energy of the space, mm. and so it's even nice for us because then I only have to focus on my clinical. Um, my clinical skills and and awareness. I don't have to worry about like holding the space of like 
peacefulness and whatever, a doula is doing that because they're not invested in the in the clinical mm-hmm. side of is things. Is there a local doula group in Tampa? Oh, there's tons of doulas. Oh, we have okay. amazing we have tons of amazing doulas. The other community is full of doulas. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Full of doulas. Yeah, yeah, I mean we have so many fantastic doulas. I love when a client tells me they have a doula. And if you're delivering in a hospital, to me a doula is non negotiable. Like you need to hire a doula. Uh, and we Are have they like there to help program. prevent uh like over intense interactions from like medical staff. Yeah, yeah, like they're they're like an advocate, right? They're like a patient advocate. Mm-hmm. They're like a nice neutral. They're like the Switzerland That's in a the good birth. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like they are like the person who's mm-hmm. like when a provider comes in and says like, "Hey, we think you need blah blah blah." They're like, "Hey, this is what this means. Let me tell you in like English oh. and you know, so you can understand." Okay. And then here's what your options are and like here's some questions you could ask and like here's how to, you know, go through and use your brain like what that sounds benefits, super helpful. What are the risks? What are you know? What, are, what does my intuition say? Doulas are good. It's, it's it's like she was saying. It only separates her job from what she was doing before. So it's like, yeah. Not only that, like the father it helps doulas help control the father. Or, you know the, yeah. the other party involved in the in this yeah. in this whole birthing situation. Right. So that way, like a partner can experience it, experience the experience, and not mm. have to worry. I think there's so much pressure on birthing partners to be everything to the mm. person that's birthing when it's just as much of a transformational experience for them. Like, they're mm. becoming a parent. Like, they're having to show up for this person that usually they care about, you know? like <laughs> <laughs> Not always. I, you In know. normal cases. <laughs> um, but it's a lot for them, too. So, like, a doula holds that space for them to be able to, like, enjoy the experience. Yeah. That's really cool. And you said you guys talk about dogs, and you said you. Yeah. Oh, we briefly <laughs> talked about dogs. So yes. I was saying that I saw, uh, I, I see sometimes on Instagram that, there will be a person having a an at home birth. There'll be like a photo, but there will be like a dog always either like present or nearby mm-hmm. or like there was the one that I described was um, the you know how like the the mom will like hold like a person's hand. Well, in this case, it was holding her pit bull's hand, mm-hmm. and the pit bull had like ears back, eyes wide open, like holy shit, this is wild stuff going down. Yeah. And I was like, how often? How common is that? And it was like you know people that have dogs that's that can be common. Dogs are a wild judgy character, but also they they they. They can sense things really quickly. But so I used to bring like every time I, I had like my kids, I'd bring like the the actual blanket my yep. son, my kid was born yep. in, and bring it home to the dog yes. so they can smell, smell it. it. Yeah. So it's not like we do that because you bring him into a space where a dog would think like, oh my god, there's something new happening. I don't know if I should trust it or not, but like you mm-hmm. definitely want to bring that into the into the room for for them. Yeah, yeah. Like we're um, dogs are pack mammals Mm -hmm. and so it's very interesting to see their dynamic at birth because they they um you see that like you see that kind of they just like like, super curious they they create i feel like they give birthing people space like they kind of sink into the background a little bit Mm. of like i mean depending on their personality but they just have this intuitive like i need to chill out for a minute because somebody's really busy working hard to get a baby out and then the minute babies are out they're present again mm. and they're like sup who's this new person <laughs> like i got a new person in my pack got to check right. them out mm. yeah and so it's cool to see um one time i did a birth and they had like this great dane that um i hadn't seen since i had gotten there i'm like oh maybe somebody came and took their dog and she has the baby. She, like, delivers in a squat at the end of her bed. And then baby's been out for, like, a few minutes. And, you know, mom's, like, so happy. And then this giant dog starts crawling out from underneath the bed. <laughs> like, he had been under the bed the whole time. And they were, like, he's never gone under the – like, he's never done this before. Like, he's never – but he wanted to be close but didn't want to intrude. And not in the way, yeah. And so the minute baby's out, 
just crawled wow. right out and was like sniffed him a little bit and went back to his normal life. It was crazy. Um, so awesome. I feel like they're super intuitive. How Same thing with cats too. Strangely enough. How often do you do water birth? Do you do water birth too? Yeah. Is I, it more, is it more common to do a water birth than it is like a regular birth? Oh in the bed? yeah. I think because people. I think because of stuff like Instagram, <clears throat> people see water birth and they're like, "This is how people home birth." You know, um, <laughs> is in the water. I need my blood pool. Requ- yeah, it's not. Water's a like a spiritual lubricant, though. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, most people are like most comfortable relaxing in water. So yeah. I would say at least you know ninety percent of our yeah. clients labor in water at some point. Um, and it's different every year, like how many people. Can it just be like straight water. out of the faucet water? Or does it got to be like nope, okay, straight I don't out know of the faucet? Be like clean it just can't shit. be sitting. Well, you <laughs> can, can you get it? some uh, reverse <laughs> osmosis no water. Listen, I, mean, I want a bath full of reverse osmosis water. <laughs> listen, some people do have crazy requests. Like oh that. no, so, I bet. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, it's, pour it's some essential oils in here. <laughs> Yeah, we're not water mammals, so I don't I I don't mind water birth at all, and some people are really attracted to it. Hmm. But that's again the beauty of home birth is you can do whatever the hell you want. So many different ways. Yeah, I did a research paper when I was in when I was in college about um about births and the kids and like the the moment a kid first takes his breath that whole flap kicks on the, in the yeah. heart and yeah, it just yeah. it's a, and it, sometimes it doesn't happen. It's like very rare that it doesn't right. But when it when it does happen, it's like almost like a miracle because that's when the babies like actually open up their lungs for the first time yeah. and all that stuff and yeah. crying. So it was like it was extremely yeah. um, exciting to like read that and research it. But yeah. what was really interesting was I didn't know this and, I, and um, Annette because Annette was a midwife too. She was doula. Doula. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. she was doula. Um, so she. That's um, how we met, actually. Yeah. Huh? Is yeah. it? Yeah. 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 So she cool. told me that you, you can actually a woman can birth a baby and before they before like. I know the parent was ready or anything. You can keep the baby underwater before taking their first breath. Yes, yeah, for a which was interesting. Can you explain that? Yeah, (laughs) well, I mean, so it's that babies are born with a dive reflex, Mm -hmm. so they automatically hold their breath. You know, like if you've ever seen um, like that Nirvana Mm -hmm. album cover kind of thing. Um, And so, yes, when babies are in utero, they have a completely different circulatory system that bypasses their lungs Mm -hmm. um, because their their lungs aren't breathing air at yeah. that point and so um what mike's talking about is like when a baby's born that that chest expansion happens um and then there's a valve that's that in utero is inside a baby's heart that closes and then their lungs kind of mm. come on board so yeah so there's a moment in between birth and if a, if a baby's born underwater um where that isn't initiated and they won't take that first breath until they're um out of the water so uh yeah it's it's pretty Which tells you something crazy so like when a baby's skin first touches air yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's this is like that movie Abyss where you breathe the water. You know what I mean? Well, that's, yeah, that, was, that was a little different. It's a combination of the dive reflex with the expansion of the chest, mm-hmm. with the umbilical cord in the air. Yeah, there's like there's a bunch of different things like mechanisms that, yeah. that happen. Yeah. So, so what's up with people eating the placenta? <laughs> You know well, what I mean? Is that a thing? What's what's up with that? It's nutrient dense. Certainly yeah. is. So we we were just talking about liver and all sorts of. Stuff. I know it's raw so raw food experiment. Thing. You follow that guy? Yeah, the most, the more popular guys. I heard, I heard on the Mark Bell Power. He was, he was on the Mark Bell Powercast. I haven't listened to it, but we were yeah. talking about how fucking crazy that is. Yeah, yeah. so eats raw um, chicken too. Yeah, he's killing the game, bro. Yeah. I mean, pretty much the entire continent of Asia eats raw chicken, and they're good. Um, so yeah, so almost every mammal, except for like uh, some horses and giraffes and stuff, eat their placenta hmm. immediately following birth. Um, and it used to be um, assumed that it was to cover up. Um, predator like to keep their babies away from predators but actually what they're understanding more now is that it's for the mother to get a bolt of energy and get the herself and her baby out of where they birth to get away from the smell to predators um and so 
obviously humans have evolved to this space where we don't um, <laughs> do that right away and we don't like need to do that. Um, but we know that like placentas are filled with gr- tons of great nutrients and minerals mm-hmm. and whatever. And yeah. so in other cultures, placentas have been used like um, in ceremonial ways or like a partner eats it or whatever. Um, and now the westernized version of that in the past, you know, like 10 to 15 years, it's become really popular to like take a placenta, dehydrate it and make it into pills. And essentially ah, yeah. take it as That's a That's what Brit was saying. You take them in capsules. Um, well, so we... Essentially growing a whole organ. No, they're growing yeah, a whole organ. Yeah, no, it's and... the only time yeah. you grow a whole organ yeah. to discard. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. It is cool. So uh, I, th- I think the Jewish Orthodox still actually eat the placenta, but not right away. They like cook it and all oh, kinds of stuff. interesting. I've yeah. seen people do all sorts of stuff with it. I've had people make quiches and put it in there we do smoothies or chocolates or tinctures you figure it probably tastes like liver it does yeah that's what i've heard i haven't eaten a placenta personally but i've heard that tastes like (laughs) liver Uh, (laughs) um i need to eat a liver and then i'll get a pseudo idea just you know if brit has a baby you know just eat her placenta fuck it you know yeah yeah i mean it's supposed to be really i mean i'll have hopefully prepared eating raw meat before then so i'll be good to go are you gonna start eating raw meat i want to slow transition i want to try it though I had a client who did placenta sushi, so, and I know how much she loves sushi. I do love so. sushi. <laughs> but you know, just don't so, tell me. Mix it in, and I'll. You yeah, gotta understand. There's like there's it's like mu- a, it's a mental thing for my brain. There's right definitely now. like a a bile gut period where like you're probably gonna shit your pants for a long time. I'm okay with that. Like me We're too. Like, sure. Just eating raw meat, yeah, and raw I'm placenta. I'm all about it. No, but I'm saying know? like I would definitely yeah. go on a like ribeye diet with you. You know what I'm saying? Just eat raw yeah. ribeyes. Well, so I want to take time to figure out how to transition that. I know this is a slight side project, but it fits in with eating a raw placenta. You know what I mean? So yeah. is that what you, is that your goal? Is to eat a raw placenta? Yeah. No, that's not my initial goal. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. if something serendipitously it. I happens, it. I support you eating raw placenta. Yeah. Though. But I want to be able to try raw meat. Mitch is walking around the freaking gym floors like he's eating like raw placenta. placenta. What is this? Placenta. It's raw placenta. Leftover so, so in traditional Chinese medicine, they've used placenta for hundreds of oh, yeah. years, uh-huh. um, but it was always somebody else's, right? So mm-hmm. you might as well, if you're growing one yourself, you may as well use not it. Not you. Not have to. Yeah. Not you. You're that brand yes. calling dibs. <laughs> I, mean, I get it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Eat that placenta. Oh my god. Um, I had another question for you. What was it? Um, is that all you've been doing? Is this you do your? Because I know you, you teach yoga at gays, right? I don't teach yoga. You I don't? just practice a lot of yoga. You just practice? A lot? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I yeah. thought you did teach yoga. No, 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 no. I've never. I'm not a yoga teacher. Um, but yeah, no, that's just my my practice. Yeah, we have some. I have some other midwives that work with me and a doula, um, and I teach at the midwifery school. So. Oh, you do? You're a teacher, too? Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. That's my favorite. Like, I love teaching new midwives. And when I first started in midwifery, there was, like, one home birth midwife here who served, like, four counties. And there were oh, wow. there were um, there was one birth center in Hillsborough County, one birth center in Pinellas, and one in um, Polk. And that was it. And, like, a, a busy month for us was, like, we would do eight births. And now there's several more home birth midwives and birth centers and we're all like at capacity every month, um, and like the birth centers are doing like 20, 25 births a month. We have a really high like community birth rate here. So, from where I started um, fifteen or fourteen years ago to now, it's been crazy and wild to see. And so I love. Um, we need so many more midwives, and so I love. Wildly seeing... successful you are, huh? Well, I don't know about. I mean, I won't. <laughs> I won't get on that train. But how wildly <laughs> successful community birth and midwifery has been and growth is awesome to see and I love like I love nurturing that part of it when you guys say when you have um how many how often has a birth not gone as planned 
I mean, we have about, so if it's your first baby, you have about a 15% chance of needing to go to the hospital or choosing to go to the hospital, okay. right? Like if you have a really long labor with a first baby and you want an epidural, right? Um, I would say I can count on, you know, I can count on one hand um, the amount of times in all of those years that I've had what we would consider like a true lights and sirens emergency transfer to the hospital. Um, and those are usually for things like bleeding issues postpartum where mm. we just don't mess around with that stuff when mm. you're not in a hospital, right? Because we so don't have an OR down the, down, down the hallway. So like if someone's hemorrhaging postpartum and I've administered meds and, and whatever that I can do at home, we're not sitting on that. Like we're calling 911 and we're going to the hospital. Um, and so, you know, we, we report our statistics every year. Our statistics year, we have to report them to the state and it's uh, June to June essentially or July to July. And so, um, depending on the year, it's usually like 5% or less, three to 5% oh, if, wow. if it's not your first baby. Yeah. Okay. So it's low, it's low, but it does happen, you know? And so we have to talk about like what that looks like, um, logistically. And that's why we have like the 30 minutes to a high level hospital requirement. Yeah. So I imagine that would be like a normal percent of, uh, like risk for a healthy individual. Right. Like that lower number. Yes, and that's exactly why you have to weigh what risks you're comfortable with and what yeah. you're not. You know, so and and recognizing that like you know bad things happen in the hospital, bad things ha can happen at home, bad yeah. things can happen while you're walking down the street or driving in your car, and so you determine what your what your risk level, your comfort is with that. How many breaches have you had? So we don't legally attend breach here in the state. So a what lot of times, the, that's when a term a butt, I don't know. That's when a baby is being born butt first. Um, butt first, arm first. Like I was born with my arms sticking out my mom's vagina. Oh no! Yeah. So, so that I, was an emergency. Okay, so instead of the head coming out first. So yeah. I had one. I've had one uh, surprise breach, um, and it was yeah, it was great. Everything was fine. But it was intense. I was the only one there. The mom delivered precipitously, so really quickly. And when I got there, the dad, it was their second baby, and their dad said, the dad said, uh, Charlie, I just don't think this is ahead. And I hadn't, I was like trying to get my gloves and get everything, and I hadn't looked yet. And I was like, it's fine. <laughs> like, it's, pr it's probably just the back of water. <laughs> and then he's like a big guy, and she's like in the middle of the bed. And then I got to the other side of, I finally got my gloves on and got the other side of him and looked. And sure enough, it was like full testicles, you know, sticking oh, out of this. Shit this vagina uh, like butt and testicles. yeah 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 and i was like oh you're right <laughs> that's not a head um, but you have to like do you do you manipulate so you can like move the baby around yes yeah most of the time you don't have to right yeah. like that's like the obstetrical management um this particular baby needed some help getting out and it was it ended up being fine we called ems and and they got there and the the head the head fire chief like came in first and he saw that the baby was out and he was like, okay, bye. <laughs> you know, like they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with it either. Um, so yeah. So I uh, ideally don't ever, I don't want to be in those positions, but I have had it happen once. So yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really rare situation, but at the same time, it's just like, they do happen. Yeah, they happen. Yeah, um, absolutely. What about like placenta previa and like all that stuff like that? So that's stuff we're screening for prenatally. So yeah. Can you explain like people, what that is? Placenta previa is like where the placenta is covering the cervix or part mm -hmm. of the cervix. Um, and so that's a, that's like a true medical indication to and have why a gland cesarean because if the cervix starts to open and dilate then um there's you no know opening. there's there's so no block it's a blockage it's blockage but it's also a very vascular blockage mm -hmm. so people can hemorrhage oh shit you bleed okay. out almost because yeah. because yeah, yeah. when the placenta is attached to the you're on the wall right it's attached to it with like all kinds of like nerve endings veins all yeah, kinds yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah, so yeah. if it peels off a little bit mm -hmm. 
You get, right. Which it does happen to yep. that. That's another thing that mm-hmm. happens too. That can cause a big bleed. Right. Placental so, abruption and stuff abruption, like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Those that's are, my mind. That's never has happened before. I mean, knock on wood, not yes, <laughs> like not. It's another. It's another option. That's the reason I'm asking. Is like, I've never yeah, no. If somebody that, had like a full placenta previa, they would be generally scheduled. Uh, depending on how how severe it was, they would be scheduled for a cesarean at 37 weeks. Yeah, so we would sure. never be like in labor with them. Mm-hmm. Do you guys coincide with um like um. Does your office talk to do you, do you guys have imaging in your office as well? We use imaging centers so that everything okay. can be reviewed by a radiologist. That yeah, or we send people like we have a great relationship with a consulting practice okay. where we send them for high risk consultation if needed. Nice. Do you guys have any like radio like any kind of imaging equipment in your in your office? Or? We don't use any of it in office just because we use Dopplers, but we don't yeah. use anything in office because I want it interpreted. You know, I don't want just you know random Susie Tech out loud, whoever. A bit for you guys. Susie yes, Tech exactly. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I mean, no offense to. to I think that's the baby. That's part of it over there. Right. I've just seen a lot of stuff over the years with people who do do stuff like that where it's super problematic. And so I I would rather have somebody have like the real thing. Yeah. Makes sense. And how, what is your intake for like new clients? Like, like, because they're obviously going, they're talking to their, their OB. Not usually. Not usually? No, no. So are you like. People usually see, like, people usually contact us when they're first pregnant because they're thinking about having a home birth or they know they want midwifery care. And we usually bring them in right away for a consultation to sit down and, like, have a chat um, and talk about what it looks like to have midwifery care. And then if they decide to have care with us, we see them just like they would see an OB. They don't have to see. Yeah, they don't have to see an OB. We, We are primary care providers. Okay, and you guys do like intakes. You just judge when birth's going to be out. Like, that's how's that whole intake process happen? Yeah, so we go through like a health history and then determine whether or not somebody needs consultation with like a higher level provider. And then, um, yeah, and then we would send them for their, you know, we do their lab work. We would send them for their ultrasound. Everything looks exactly the same as any other. And you guys judge your own risks by, by like, so that's part of our law here in Florida. We have yeah. like a risk assessment and yeah. different risk factors get like numerical scores and then anything above a certain score we would send for consult. So is there anything above a certain risk that you guys won't take a patient? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's tons of reasons I won't take a client, okay. even if it's just like not good vibes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not <laughs> feeling your energy. No, absolutely. <laughs> no, and I, I and I like it. we have enough of us that I can refer people elsewhere. So no, it's it. like, yeah. I don't. So. I'm not serious. Like seriously, not the t- this energy is not good for me. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. If it's not a good fit, because I'm like in people's houses. You know, oh, yeah, like our sure. practice, like we're in people's space. Um, it's a really intimate. It's a really intimate. Has there ever been a stuff. house you've been into just like? This is not a like oh, yeah. safe space for having kids. Absolutely. Right but, you know, I had a really amazing preceptor when I was a student that I worked with for a long time. And she'd been a midwife. She's been a nurse her whole life and been a midwife for a long time. And she said, you know, uh, and it was this was in Polk County. So it's like in Highlands, like super rural. And there were some situations where, you know, like people don't have a floor or whatever. And um, Wait, they don't have a floor? Yeah, yeah. What does know, that mean? Just like, like they don't have a floor. Like, like they just are really, really... Um, poor, you know, and she said, I was like, is this safe, right? Like, is this a safe place for us to be in? Is this a safe place for them to be in? And she's like, well, what are you going to do to change it? She's like, so what? They don't have a home birth and they're still going to bring their baby home here. Like, this is where they live. Uh. And it's like, that really, um, like, 
changed. Yeah. It just like changed things in my brain. It's like, that's so true. You know, like we have these uh, judgments about other people and whatever. And like, this is how they live. And I mean, it's not so much a judgment as like, no. you, you kind of, you have an idea of like where you want this baby to be birthed at. Of so course. it's like, I don't want like, that's not only that. It's like, you want to mitigate risk as much as possible. Sure. So yes. especially like, I wonder if there's enough room for me to operate. Of is there like, yeah. is, if I step back, am I going to fall through a hole? You Absolutely. I mean? Yeah. I've been in, I've been in some <laughs> situations where it's like, um, yeah, where it's questionable or yeah, like right? there's like bug infestation or, but our only legal requirement is people have to have a roof and they have to have a, um, running water and a toilet. Okay. Okay. So. Which is kind of interesting. I've been to so many homes around the Tampa area, outside right, Tampa been, area. So it's just like. You're like, how do people like live like this? Oh, I know. And like, I can only yeah. imagine what some of the home births you've been in is yeah. like, eh, it's like, but it's not that, it's not so much that we're judging anything, no, right? No, but it's considering it's, all of those. But logistics. it's considering like one, like, is this healthy for the mother? Mm-hmm. Two, is this healthy for the child to bring into the house? Right. Which is honestly, that's not our choice. Well, right. You and know, this is how um, people live. So it's really determining, like, is it safe or yeah. not, right? Like, yeah. is anybody really at risk or is this just my, like, preconceived ideas about, Correct, about yeah. things? So, yeah, but I've been in some wild places. Yeah. I've done I've done home births in, like, mansions on the bay. I've done home births in, um, you know, like, I remember I did a home birth once in a trailer where they only had one toilet in the whole house, and it was in the master bedroom, just, like, in the corner of the master bedroom. So, like, the whole time we were there, we couldn't we couldn't use the bathroom because, like, oh, no. mom was laboring in her bedroom. There's only one. Hours? Yeah. I did a home birth once. Um, I've taken care of a lot of, like, professional athletes, I think, because they want, like, pri- you know, the privacy, and I don't know anything about sports, and so they're like, cool, you know. It's even better. They're like, yeah. you, don't know, you don't know me? Right. Yeah, no. And I've, you know, like, players and Bucks players and whatever, and, and so that's cool. Um, I did a birth in, like, a castle once. They had, like, a moat around their Wait, house. where's a castle at work? In Lutes, out in Lutes, yeah. Like, a just, castle? I mean, like, pretty much a castle. Yeah, they had a moat As around a their moat? house. And, like, ah! a <laughs> Full so, of alligators uh, yeah. so, I mean, Full we, of alligators we take care of such shit. a wide variety of people that's that, so, like, it's really cool. It's been a cool Actually, adventure. that's why, it's really, it's what it, one of the things I really enjoyed about being, um, being a firefighter and being a paramedic and a rescue is that you you see all walks of life. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, like you get out of your bubble. And, and, and one second, one minute you're like you you get to see like kind of like not like you're judging, but like you kind of like you're humbled a little bit. Like, yes, I'm actually living a really good life exactly. compared to like yeah. what I perceive other people's lives should be. You yeah, know, yeah. Which is, yeah. And to think that, especially like when I'm doing stuff in like like low income marriage, like mm-hmm. you you being you're in some of these houses, you're like. Like, holy crap, like, is, but these people are, like, almost, I want to say the government has groomed these people to, like, that's where they should live. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, like, like you guys are, you know, you can live a better life. and I, it's, But it's just, yeah. they're incentivized to live a certain way. Well, you see the other side of that, too, and that's, like, a lot of, you know, I've taken care of, like, people who are millionaires and or people who are doctors and, and you have this idea too. right yeah and so but like you i know get to know them so intimately you see the dysfunction i get to see like the dysfunction in all of those spaces mm. um, I, know. I feel like in those higher income areas it's more like it's complete disassociation oh for sure like where it's like yeah my wife's having a kid even the mom's like i just get the yeah. shit out of me and like right. where's the fucking nanny already you know what i'm saying like yeah, yeah. you're like holy yeah. shit they're like, yeah. Where's the personalization? These kids are going to be fucking little, little yeah. narcissistic, narcissistic fucks. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. <laughs> it's not great. No, but like, yeah. you 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 see all walks of life, and you start like you start like, it, it helps you give perspective to what your own life should yes. be like. 
Yeah. Or and what's important to what's you. Important what to you. So it's like, it's, it's cause it, in, in a lot of ways, like being in, being in the medical field is like, you lose your, like you, you, you kind of lose a little sense of like what humanity should look like, mm-hmm. you know, like you mm. lose your faith in humanity mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. And then in some aspects you have a snap into reality, like, all right, yeah. like it's not that bad, right? You know, so exactly. like, yeah. I can only imagine the shit that you've seen and yeah. been through since you've been at people's houses. Oh and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Do you guys do anything in the, your location too? Like, we do our, we do like prenatal care, and then our space is also we have a nonprofit, a five hundred one c three community center, and oh, nice. so we have like moms groups and parenting classes and support That's groups awesome. and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah, it's like a shared, like we have a shared space there. So, um, really but good. we don't do births there. We're not a facility. Okay. But do, do are there other like uh, midwiferies that have like facilities that you birth at? Yeah, we have birthing centers okay. um, where people um, where people can go and have their babies. Oh, that's good. So. Yeah, that makes it a little better, like safer yeah. for both parties. Well, it's it. We we were jokingly calling it. We call it Grandma's House. You know, it's grandma's going to Grandma's house, yeah. house to have your baby. Um, we don't have any, unfortunately, here that like are affiliated with local hospitals, and that's kind of what would make it like quote safer mm-hmm. um, if it's logistically closer or there's an affiliation. Um, so there's really no difference between a home birth and a birth center aside from who drives. Oh, okay. So, mm, yeah. yeah. But it's an option. It's an option, like, for people who, for whatever reason, maybe they don't live close enough to a hospital or maybe they have, like, a communal living situation or they don't want to deliver at home. It's a good in-between option. Cool. Now, here's a question I really want to know. Breathing during during pregnancy. Uh-huh. Are there different breath works that you use even because you're a doula as well, so it's like, is there different ways you? Because I feel like the normal way they've taught, you know, pregnant women sure. how to breathe during pregnancy is not like always the greatest. Well, it could always be yes. interpreted a different way. Yeah, so we don't really stick to that like old school Lamaze <laughs> yeah. kind of train of thought anymore. <clears throat> um, oh, yeah. But I feel like this just ties in with like you birth how you live, right? Yep. So like I can't really have a conversation with somebody about breath work if they have no idea like that they're breathing incorrectly, right? right? <laughs> you know, so we have to. We have to start from that place. So mm. that's why I think a lot of people, um, you know, I do have a large population of people who, like, they live the life that we live. You know, like, they live in a space where they're trying to, like, heal themselves and do better and, like, know about breathing and know yeah. about, like, getting your nervous system, you know, kind of back on track. Um but if nobody, if they don't understand that, it's hard to have those kind of conversations about why maybe they should oh, look at. Sure, yeah. your audience, but like. Well, yeah yeah, 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 but there's nothing we necessarily like prescribe to anymore. That's okay. kind of an old school thing. Are, are there things that, yeah, the Lamaz is like, I was like going through that class, I'm like, yeah. there's probably a lot of better ways we can do this. <laughs> but <clears throat> um, do you, is there a certain, like, um, do you guide some of these, some of these pregnant, like pregnant women to a certain way? It's like, hey, maybe this is a breathing we can use to help regulate your heart rate a little bit or yeah (laughs) really all sorts of those like all sort not just breath work but like diet exercise Mm -hmm. like all of that education is like the cornerstone of our care Mm. you know is like you need to think about ways to mitigate your stress and you need to think about ways to like be healthier and find a, a way to um yeah regulate your nervous system and and whatever that looks like before you're um having a baby and all of those things help people to have better births to the actual birth experience. Portion. I think that stress for, um, pretty women is a huge one. Cause mm-hmm. it's just like, I think it's especially for new moms. Mm-hmm. They don't know where what's going on. Like their body's changing yeah, constantly. Hormones so like are crazy. stress levels at all time high. I mean, yeah. I can only imagine the amount of, you know, especially in the, the last trimester, they're just mm-hmm. like yeah. completely uncomfortable. Yeah. 
You can't sleep's like almost yeah. non existent. That's what makes you willing to get a baby out of your vagina. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, uh, and it, uh, just, uh, I think more talking towards the fathers or significant mm-hmm. other of this pregnancy is like, what are, do you ever give any um, advice to those? Oh, yeah. We okay. want partners to be as involved in po- as possible. And in our practice, we have a five week childbirth ed series that they take together, ideally. Oh, so, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's good. Wow. Yeah. What does that involve? It's just uh, five weeks of classes that kind of cover, like, the anatomy and physiology of pregnancy, like, what to expect in those last couple of weeks, the mechanics of birth, the physiology of birth, um, yeah, like, what a birth looks like, how to take care of a newborn, breastfeeding, all that kind of stuff. It's I feel like, like that's, crash course. I feel like it's a lot, probably, probably a lot more informative than the one you get in the fucking hospital. Right. In the hospital, you just learn how to be a good patient. Like, here's... <laughs> You're just learning how to be compliant. Which is, which is mind-blowing, because... Yes, they, they how to get go, an epidural. I know, all that stuff, and also, like... Here's with the part of the hospital you're gonna be. I was like, what the fuck, right. I don't care about that. Like, no, what the know. hell is this alien come out of my yes. freaking like significant other? And yes. how do I take care of right. it? Also, take care of my pregnant wife. Yes. You know, like, yeah, yeah. wow. So, like, yeah, I think that. I think I, I mean, we can talk for hours how medical, like the medical field, needs to be restructured in general. Sure. But like, yeah, I think birth in general needs to be restructured as much as possible because I think it's just yeah it just needs um, to get back to the basics but yeah. in, in, in order to do that we need to do that as humans too yeah. so if you, you're how many kids have you had, do you have um, so I have two living children and I um, lost a son at almost 20 weeks and then I had two other pregnancy losses so I've been pregnant five times and have goodness yeah and have, and have wow. a 14 year old and a almost 4 year old they're all the same. I have a 15-year-old and a 5-year-old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> one's, one's a, he's a really kind dick, but the other one's just like, yeah. the next to me all the time. So she's, yeah. she's I have, I, my girls are exact opposites. So yeah. I have a psycho and then I have my very like, what are the rules and how can I follow them? Uh, so they balance each other. <laughs> do you guys do uh, any aftercare as well? Um, postpartum. Yeah. Oh yeah. So our care postpartum is way more involved than like any standard, like obstetrical. Like we see people at least two to three times postpartum yeah. we offer breastfeeding support and all sorts of stuff. Oh, so really? it's way Sweet. more involved. That's and that's a... why we have the nonprofit, right? To conti- after Continue people leave care. our care, then they have this community of support that Dude, will that's help. That's important. Yeah. Help them get them, through, get them through parenthood. I mean, I feel like if you're talking about in a tribal sense of how pregnancies mm-hmm. happen, exactly. there's so much part of the whole matriarchal thing. Yeah. Whereas like the nurturing plus helping yeah. helping with the children, like I feel yeah. like that's a sense of like there's a loss of that. I feel like through, yes. through like the whole the whole childbirth, the whole postpartum stuff. Right. Where I think women need some strong women around them to yeah. like help guide them through this whole thing, especially new mothers. Yeah, yeah. So our community space is called the Community Roots Collective because that's, that's cool. Yeah, I've been there. It's nice. Like, that's the building I've been to, right? Yeah, we just moved <clears throat> recently and have our own like a space independent nice. from everything in a yard. Yeah, so it's great. But um, yeah, because all of my clients said to me like, I don't have people, I don't have other friends who are parents who believe in the same things I do, and I'm like, I see ten of you guys in a day that say the same thing. Like, how can I match make you? How can mm. I be like a mom matchmaker so that you guys can find each other? Um, and so that's what the roots is. And that's cool. Where's that at? Yeah, we're in Tampa Heights, so we're right off of. Um, North Boulevard in, in like almost Riverside Heights area. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. And you, you're, you're pretty much bringing a community of moms together to help like... Yeah, to build that like community, like yeah. to build that, that um, I hate yeah. to use the word tribe, but like, yeah, to no, build the good, tribe of people word. that, yeah, yeah, to build that because it doesn't exist anymore, you know? I think um, 
So there's a book called Tribe by Sebastian mm-hmm. Unger. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. very good book. He talks about how tribal, how we have lost touch with our um, humanity with each other as yes. communities. And yeah. I, I think it's so huge that we have because it even to, to run one life, it takes a village of people. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, like I feel like we we've lost touch with that. Like mm-hmm. and to create your community, that's why like Mitchell and I have created this community from. Like South Ham Jiu Jitsu all the way to Kotawari. Right. Like it's okay. our it's our corridor. Such a good trio. Yeah. It's it's our yeah. corridor of like all kinds of no, people sitting so here true. like but it's not healthcare. That's one of the reasons why him and I started this podcast because like I feel like we need it needs to be talked about as not only just tribal stuff, but just mm-hmm. like yeah. overall wellness. Of course. That's kind of a good point. You need other people to also help you navigate your wellness. Yeah, for sure. That's like, right. It ain't a solo thing, guys. <laughs> like it's since then it's the you know inception of a human in the world like we've needed other humans to like coexist yeah so it's not like and we're influenced the moment i mean we're all carried around in our mothers and grandmothers ovaries forever so like we're influenced from preconception you know through and i and i feel like for me um like how i show up in the world and like thinking about like what is my contribution it's like i feel like if we can capture people when they're in this space of of bringing new humans to the planet if we can change that trajectory for them into um like awareness then that changes how we parent and then that's what really like shifts perspective as those kids grow up and as you parent and as you you know change and grow if we can have a consciousness as humans in that space then that's like what changes the world right Mm. like if we're not creating a ton of humans that are um just full of trauma you know we're gonna there's gonna be some trauma anyways but if we can mediate that a bit that's really what makes i I literally always said i've said this for the longest time was like you want people want some serious change in this world start with your kids Ding, ding, ding. Like, literally, like, yeah. there's no, you start from, like, I'm talking about from pregnancy mm-hmm. all the way on. like the Conscious how, conception, yeah. conscious birthing, conscious child rearing, treating um, infants like they're actual humans, attachment parenting, you're, like, just consciously, like, showing up. It's You're literally putting this small human, and you're putting them in the, in the they're, they're evolving as they grow up mm-hmm. with all this interaction, and they're just... They, they, what they seem to, to seem to think is okay, mm-hmm. completely going through trauma. I'm like, this is normal. Like, right. no, I've been fucked up for years, motherfucker. This is not normal. <laughs> you know, like, right. this is fucking crazy. This right. shit shouldn't go this way. I've taken, it's, it's really yeah. taken me 39 years to be like a, a better <laughs> human. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. it's, it's not okay. I was like, I really yes. think that you want to help global warming. You want to help governments. You want to help all that. Start with your fucking kids. Right. How they're educated, mm-hmm. how they're brought up, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I think yeah. it's, it's wildly important. And then, yeah. That yeah. radiates out. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. It's freaking wild. Well, damn, you know, I think that's a good place to, to end it. Yeah, man. Shit. Sweet. Charlie, thanks so much for, Thank for coming you. on. Tell yeah. everybody where to find you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so our practice is Barefoot Birth. It's barefootbirth.com. We're on social media, so Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are nonprofits, the Community Roots Collective, which is also social media. It's okay. Community Roots Collective, Tampa.org. Um, and yeah, we, we, COVID has kind of taken us off the rails, but, um, we're, we're back February 1st. We're starting all of our programming back. Woo! So we're just going in. Is we're just community? doing it. Not, not the midwifery, but the community. No, the part. community part. But uh, our practice, we do home birth. We do prenatal care only for people who want to deliver in the hospital. So there's lots of options. And if it's it, really, if you have any questions about pregnancy, we have a well woman clinic and stuff as well. If you're looking for like more holistic GYN care, Got the resources. but really it's just, yeah, if you need a resource, if you're like trying to conceive or pregnant or whatever need a resource even if you're not local i have colleagues across the country i'm happy to 
Sweet. Get you in touch. She's, a, she's educated, guys. I love it. All right, and we'll put all those details in the show notes as yeah. well. Awesome. But thanks, thanks for guys. listening, guys.